just pray today. Lord, we thank you for today. We welcome your spirit. Lord, I just welcome the presence of the Lord. We want to just invite you to come, Lord, right now in the next few moments of sharing and preaching and being together, Lord. I pray, Lord, that your healing power would go wherever uh, it needs to go today. Whoever's listening and needs your healing touch today. Maybe if you're home, you can just lift your hand and you can just reach out to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your touch today like never before. I need you. I pray that you would, Lord, break this spirit of this curse of this plague, of this virus, Lord, that you would let it dry up in people's bodies. Lord, that it would absolutely stop, Lord, every symptoms, every, every uh, 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 kind of result of that virus being in people's body. I pray that it would be, they would be completely healed by the power of the name of Jesus today. Lord, whatever else is going on, we know there's people that are seriously ill in their body. I pray, amen, for our relatives, and I pray for our family members who are in hospital beds right now in Jesus' name. They would experience the great physician's touch wherever they are right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for working beyond what we can do and doing the miracles that we so desperately need today in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Can you turn with your Bibles or click on your device to Matthew chapter 12? Matthew chapter 12. And you know, I've said this before. I'm sorry, 11, verse 12. Chapter 11, verse 12. Um, you know, sometimes I've said it before. There's sometimes you get these sermons, right, that you work on for days and weeks and months or you have them rolling around. And there's other times you get messages. It's just like, you know, so this is the third version of my message preparation today. The Lord changed it. So, uh, you know, kind of just woke up and uh, I just wanted to be uh, kind of sensitive and obedient. I, I, I figured last year I, I preached on 2020 vision and uh, that didn't go over so well. So I figured maybe I'd just stay, uh, you know, just encourage everybody today. <laughs> Amen. No, I, I just feel something a little different this year. I feel a little uh, stirring. I feel like we're still believing God for a lot of things in our, um, in our lives, in our country, in our families. And uh, we're right there. So I want to encourage you today and just give you a couple keys if I could. And uh, I had nothing really, honestly, that rhymed with 21. You know, a lot of times we want to do that. Remember back in the day, it was just Jesus is the key in 93. You remember that? We, Jesus is the door in 94. We did all that stuff. And so, you know, I just don't have anything that really smart and witty this morning to rhyme with 21. So um, I got to be honest with you. I'm just going to share the word this morning. But uh, uh, thank God I, I, I didn't want to search, you know, in Google what rhymed with 21. So um, I didn't want to do that. I just figured I, I'll just give something this morning, but I, I really feel that um, we want to share, we talked about good works last week, and we want to continue to share some things on outreach and, and our mission and, and the focus of our mission this year, and I believe that I'm, I'm, I'm trusting the Lord, well first of all, I just wanted to say a couple things, but I'm trusting the Lord that we are going to be able, and I'm going to say this, and I think with confidence, we can get in, we can partially occupy part of the OC, and so I'm excited about that. And I don't know about you, but we're gonna. I want to see us start getting in there slowly but surely, and having meetings there. And and uh, how many would love to see that, right? So it's gonna happen. And so we're gonna say this year. So we're moving forward on that. Next week, I want to show you a video, uh, just kind of a little presentation of uh, some of the work that we've done and where we're at, and the updated version of that. And so it's exciting. Um, and also, we're going to be making available in the next couple of weeks our financial report and how God's blessed us this year and what we're able to do in the midst of uh, this pandemic and how God's been able to bless your finances and, and we're able to do that. So um, I'm, I'm excited about that. Also, just wanted to say quickly before I forget, uh, 
we do want to have uh, a couple prayer meetings during the week, during this time of prayer and fasting, uh, the next 21 days or so. So we, we will be announcing that more and just have to make a decision on the exact time and date of that one. So um, not this coming week, but the following two weeks we'll, uh, after that we'll have uh, corporate prayer meetings. So as much as you feel comfortable with coming, the balcony will be open. The, you know, we'll have plenty of space to social distance or whatever and uh, just come together and pray corporately. Amen, and disagree. And so uh, I don't know about you, but I don't think we could ever say that we've prayed enough. <laughs> you know, I don't know if we could ever say that we've read enough, right? Read our Bibles enough or whatever. How many know there's always something to pray about and stand with other people about and intercede about? And so we want to do that. But in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, I've read this scripture many times. I'm going to read it today, maybe in a new light. It says in verse 12, Jesus spoke, and he's talking about John the Baptist, but he said that the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. How many have ever read that? Many times, right? So the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Meaning this, when John the Baptist came, the kingdom of heaven began to break in upon us, and those in power are trying to clamp down on it. God's kingdom has been going forward strongly, and people have been trying to take control of it by force. The kingdom of heaven has been subject, uh, subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful people have been seizing it. And the last translation I think is interesting. From the moment John stepped into the, into the scene, onto the scene, until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth, and passionate people have taken hold of its power. It says the kingdom of God suffers violence. Now, when we, we use that word, or the Bible uses that word suffers, that's not a good thing. I thought about that. Why would the kingdom of God need violence? Does it, does it mean that the kingdom of God needs violence? Does it mean that it lacks violence and it takes violent people to be a part of it? No, that's not what he's saying. It says that it's suffering or it's being vexed by violence. It's being vexed by violent people. This is what Jesus is saying. He's talking about John the Baptist. Read the chapter, the verses before that. And they were questioning. John was in prison and someone came to him. John's disciple said, are you the Christ or should we look for another? And so he began to talk about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was, you know, a, a guy, he said, did you go out and into the wilderness expect to find a, a guy that had good clothes on and fair clothes? He said, no, he's a prophet. He's like Elijah. And so he began to talk about John the Baptist. And he said from three years, he said exactly from the time that John the Baptist came on the scene and began to talk about the Christ and Jesus coming, he said until right now, this moment, three years or two and a half years or whatever it was, he said that the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. He began to and go on. He talks about John the Baptist, how that, that there was lots of prophets and they were preaching about John and they were talking about the Messiah coming. And he said, this is the time that everybody was looking forward to right now when John the Baptist came on the scene. And from that moment until now, the kingdom of God has suffered violence. And so it's not a good thing for the kingdom to suffer violence. That's what we're saying. And let me just say this, that as I began to study this, and as you study this, this is probably 
As most scholars will tell you, one of the most difficult translations in Matthew that they could translate into the Greek. This was a very difficult. Why? Because it actually has a couple meanings and connotations. It says that uh, uh, things like this, that the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and violent people are coming against it to try to take it over. Or everyone was looking for the kingdom and now few people want it. Because the Bible says that people were violently trying to press into it. They wanted, they were looking for it. They were wanting it to come. Once Jesus came, they didn't seem to want it anymore. That's what another uh, perspective of it is. And also this, that the kingdom is being attacked by enemies like Herod and the Pharisees and the forceful or the spiritually bold are seizing hold of it. Now, I've always shouted at that last part, the kingdom of God, or, you know, violent, uh, take it by force. How many are taking the kingdom by force? Yes, I am. Am I violent? And I, I began to, you know, well, what do you mean the kingdom suffers violence? I believe it means this. If you put this in a nutshell, it means that the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and violently opposed. Think about it. How many believe that? I believe that, that the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. How many lift your hand to heaven and say the kingdom's still growing? Amen. It said the Bible says in the old time, the prophecy was about Jesus that his kingdom would never end. That eventually it's the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ will become the kingdoms of this world. Is that right? That his kingdom will outgrow other kingdoms. Uh, the Bible taught, Jesus taught that the kingdom of God is that mustard seed. It is the smallest but greatest. It overtakes Daniel saw that stone hewn out of the mountain. It came down and it grew and overtook every other kingdom. How many believe that the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing? How many believe that it doesn't matter whether they do satanic rituals on the steps of our capital or not, the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing? How many believe that it doesn't matter what group is trying to get their rights Amen. And their, their preferences pushed on American society. The kingdom of God is still forcefully advancing. It doesn't matter what they tell you you're going to have to do in schools or in, on your job or what you want to. Come on. It doesn't matter. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. It doesn't matter what the devil is doing. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. It doesn't matter who's president, who's in leadership. It doesn't matter whether we uh, are in economic boom or whether in failure. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. And if you believe that, you have to agree what Jesus said, the second part, that is being violently opposed. It is strongly opposed. Come on, somebody. Amen. When Herod heard about Jesus coming, he immediately began to kill, violently kill the children. How many know there was violent opposition to Jesus coming? Once John the Baptist came on the scene, everybody seemed to look for the Messiah. Once John the Baptist came and Jesus began preaching, nobody really was interested in receiving what Jesus had to say. That's we know that people were baptized. We know that it happened. But Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He said, collectively, you didn't receive me. Is that right? They violently opposed him. How violent? They put him on the cross, nailed him to a cross, and crucified him. That's how violently opposed they were to the Son of God coming. That's how violently opposed people were to the kingdom of God overtaking every other kingdom. Amen. 
And I believe that when Jesus came, and not really I believe, I see it in the Scriptures, Jesus introduced a more powerful kingdom, but He didn't come the violent way that every other kingdom came in that day. It wasn't like the Roman Empire that overtook the Medes and Persians and became this huge kingdom. Come on, it wasn't like the Greek and the Grecian kingdom and power and the Babylonian power. It didn't come that way. The most powerful kingdom came in a way that was least expected. Is that right? Amen. It didn't come in a violent way. Jesus could have come in a violent way. How many know he could have overtook, uh, overtaken the Roman Empire? He could have overthrown that empire. He could have established a new kingdom, a new empire. He could have crowned himself king, but he didn't do it. And I believe that Jesus came to introduce a more powerful kingdom. The Bible makes it clear that it's his kingdom that's going to overtake every other kingdom. And how many are living in this culture kingdom, amen, this kingdom culture that we live in? You know, I thought about that the other day. Who in the world, in our culture, sets the course for where we go, the styles, the music, the, you know, who does that? Who does that? But aren't you glad that Jesus establishes his own culture? And we're a part of that culture, that kingdom culture, amen. The Bible says that His kingdom can never be overthrown. Nobody counsels the Lord. Nobody tells the Lord what to do. Nobody votes Him in. Nobody votes Him out. Nobody says, I I have another opinion. Nobody says to the Lord that my word is better than your, your word. My power is greater than your power. His kingdom is forcefully advancing. And so we see that Jesus declared that. And I believe that when, uh, if you look at this and study this, one of the things I saw is that uh, this Greek word, forcefully advancing or violent, is what it's talking about. It's translated into Hebrew and it becomes really kind of the, the clear reference to Micah chapter 2 when it speaks to God's kingdom or God's people and he says that I'm going to raise up a breaker among you and that he's going to break forth and the people of God are going to break forth. Amen. How many believe God for a breakthrough this year? Amen. How many believe that the breaker came when Jesus was born? He broke the the power of death, hell, and the grave. He broke every other power and every other kingdom that was established. Jesus broke through. And so that's what he's talking about. From the moment that God broke through, when John the Baptist began to preach, the kingdom of God broke through and came on the scene. Isn't that amazing? And he said from that time until now, there, it's, been, it's been growing, it's been advancing, but there's violent opposition. And so we're part of that kingdom. And I, I believe that there's a breaking forth. I believe that, that when the gospel comes, there's a breaking forth. Amen? Hallelujah. And so the kingdom of God broke forth through the gospel being preached. That's how this, the kingdom of God came on the scene, as we would say it, or began to forcefully advance. The moment that John the Baptist came and began preaching repentance, that's the moment the kingdom started to advance like never before. Amen? How many God, God has always had a kingdom? God has always been king. Is that right? But it didn't show up on this scene until John the Baptist came. 
had never been seen like this before. And so that's what Jesus is talking about. And so I believe that despite the opposition, the kingdom is still advancing and we're a part of it. But let me just give you some encouragement is that to be involved really in this next year, my heart is to be involved in the advancement of God's kingdom. How many can lift your hand to heaven and say, I want to be involved in the advancement of God's kingdom this year? In my city, in my family, in this nation, I want to see the kingdom of God advance. Amen? I want to see the things of the kingdom, amen, in my family, in my city, in our nation. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen? How many want to see that? Amen? We want to see the kingdom advance. We want to see it not just, not just trickle, not just move a little. We want to see it forcefully advance. Amen. I want to see the, the characteristics, the mentality, the process, the system of the kingdom of God break forth in our nation. Amen. Some of us celebrate the forefathers and the founding of our nation and the principles there. But I got news for you. The kingdom of God is better than that. It's got stronger values. It's got stronger commandments. It's got a stronger constitution. Amen. And I want to see that break in on this nation. Amen. I want to see that be established like never before. I want to see that advance in our nation in 2021. Amen. We've saw a lot of things happen this last year. But one of the things that we can say that we desire to see like never before is the kingdom of God advance in our nation. Amen. Amen. And so let me just give you a couple of keys here that you can take in 2021. And that is, uh, you know, I feel like we need to be strong in the Lord. We need to revive the gospel and we need to live out the word. I, I think that, you know, just putting it very plainly, uh, we just need to be strong in the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says, Finally, brethren, the last thing I'm going to write to you is be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. I shared this at the beginning of last year, and I think it's fitting for this year. Be empowered through the union with Jesus Christ. Draw your strength from Him. Some of you need to hear that today. You need to draw your strength from the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and, and when you're sick in your body, your body doesn't feel strong, but how many know your spirit can be strong? You need to draw, draw your strength from the Lord. See, many people really limit this whole portion of Scripture just to spiritual warfare. We talk about the armor of God. We talk about the, 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 the wiles of the enemy, the tactics of the enemy, and being strong in the spirit realm. But the Bible says that part of it is to be strong in the Lord means this. It means to be strong in the characteristics of the Lord. It means a close relationship with the Lord so that you reflect His image which is full of integrity and honor. That's what it's about. When Ephesians, and Paul's writing in Ephesians, he's talking to us about being strong in the Lord. He's talking about being strong and prepared. Some of you, 2020 slapped you upside the head so bad you weren't even ready for it. Come on, we weren't ready for it. But how many know we're a little bit more prepared this year? Did you go out and buy more toilet paper? You're a little bit more prepared this year, right? A little bit more. And, uh, but that's what he's talking about. To be strong in the Lord means that you're strong and prepared. You're prepared for any attack that the enemy brings. You're prepared for any situation that you find yourself in. Any kind of uh, drama that comes into your life, you're prepared for it because you're being strong in the Lord. That's what it means to be strong in the Lord. Anything that would bring hurt or brokenness or anything that would bring pain, you're prepared for it in one sense. Come on, we're really never prepared for some things. 
but you're more prepared for it because you're strong in the Lord. I want you to be strong in the Lord this year. I want you to be strong in prayer. Be strong in the word of the Lord. Be strong in your witness. Be strong in your love for God. Be strong in the Lord. Amen. This year. So be strong in the Lord. It also, another way to look at that would be strong in the things of the Lord. Be strong with the Lord and be strong for the Lord. How many know God wants you to be strong for Him? Amen. Hallelujah. To be bold for Him. To be uh, uh, really strong in your faith and strong in your witness for the Lord. Now it's not about a strong personality. Many people think that being strong in the Lord is about being having a strong personality. Being, uh, being having an outward appearance. A very strong outward appearance. But it's not. It's about something on the inside. It's something that you carry. It's about honor and integrity and purity and your witness. It's about your joy, your peace. Come on, you're, you're, you're the things that you go through, you have strength during clamorous times, as the Bible says. And so I think that uh, this year, a key for us is to be strong in the Lord. The second thing is to revive the gospel. What do I mean by that? Well, as Martin Luther put it, there's a difference between a reformation and a revolution. A revolution introduces something new, but a reformation calls us back to something old or something that was, something that was. And I believe that the church needs to revive the preaching of the gospel in our nation like never before. Can you say amen? I believe that. I agree with that. See, when the church revives the gospel, God will bring a revival. We're waiting for the Lord to bring this movement so it will be conducive for us to go out. It will be comfortable for us to preach. It will be great. for How many know that revival comes at the least comfortable times? Movement from the Lord comes at the, at the least, uh, you know, when our society is not conducive for revival. But the church is. The church is ready. The church is wanting it. The church is desiring it. The church is moving in it. And so if we revive the gospel, I believe that God will bring a revival. How many know that that's kind of really coming down to only one or two answers that America needs at this point? Come on, repentance and revival. I think there's only a couple choices we're getting down to these days. Amen. We narrowed these things down to kind of the answer for our nation. Come on, we've had economic blessing, we've had growth, we've had this, we've had that, and it doesn't seem to get us any closer to God than was before. We've had brokenness, we've had disaster, we've had this, we've had that, we've had a pandemic, and it doesn't really seem to be bringing us any closer to God. But we, we come on, we're narrowing it down to just a few things that we need in this nation. I believe it is a move of the Spirit. It is a move of God. Amen. And I'm not talking about people joining our group, I'm talking about people getting saved. People coming into the kingdom like never before. And I believe with all my heart the word of the Lord that's been talked about and, and prophesied over the years that God is bringing in a mighty, amen, sweeping, amen, end of harvest and of a spirit. And so I'm claiming that for our city. And so not only do we need to revive the gospel, but I think we need to live out the word, the word of God. If you look at the scriptures and Jesus teaching over and over and over again, it's about doing his word. It's about obedience, isn't it? How many know faith is all about obedience? Spiritual growth is all about obedience. Someone say, well, no, it's about if I, if I can preach, if I can pray, if I, can under, if I knew the Greek, if I knew Latin. No, it is about obedience. Everything in the Christian life is measured by obedience. Aren't you glad for that? That God doesn't compare you to other people, right? He doesn't compare you to how you're growing and I'm growing, this person. But He measures you on your faith towards Him. And he wants you to have obedience. So I believe that. So live out the word. So I believe that 
this year a key for really for Christians, for us, is to listen and live. The Bible teaches us over and over again, and I don't think we can get away from this. It's not just a walk, you know, the walk, but how many talk to talk. I believe we need to walk and talk. We need to hear and do, and we need to faith have faith and works. And I feel like this is what the Lord has been saying to me especially, is that we've got to listen and live. I, I, I look around and I see in the church, I, I feel that there's more talking and hearing than there's ever been before. I believe there needs to be some living and doing. Can you, can you say amen? I believe that there needs to be some living and doing, and this is what it's about. But I saw something, heard something, read it, studied it, and I, I saw something I've never seen before about obeying the Lord or, or doing the Word. How many know James uh, talks about that we need to be doers of the Word, not hearers only? Is that right? Jesus taught over and over about those who listen and do. If you listen and do. Joshua said that if you, God told Joshua in, in Joshua chapter 1, that if you listen to what I say, you will prosper and have success. If you do what I say. How many believe that? He told Moses, you've got to do exactly what I tell you to do. And if you do it, my spirit is going to come. He, he built the tabernacle exactly the way the Lord told him to. And he said, the moment, and even Solomon, the moment you finish the temple... My spirit's going to fill it. How many know God's all about obedience? Amen. And I love that about the Lord because His Spirit works with us on how to live and do the Word of the Lord. But there's something I saw. Now, I've been hearing a lot about, and I think it is, it's fitting to hear about the last days, the end times, and eschatology and things like that. I've been hearing a lot about the mark of the beast. We've heard the last 15, 20 years. When I was a kid, I'm going to tell you something. Somebody would come to our church and preach about the end times. I was so scared. I would be saved for like five days. I mean, it was scaring me so bad. You know what I'm saying? Come on, you were there, right? I mean, I just got so freaked out. I have bad dreams and, you know, and everything. And, oh, I was so, you know, and I would get so freaked out. And one of the things that freaked me out the most was the mark of the beast. Because I didn't know if I had it or not. You know, and of course, during the 80s, we saw, you know, the, some things happen. We saw the barcodes. We saw now the, the implants and the chips. And, you, and, and, you know, we oh, my word, this is this is definitely the mark of the beast. I think that's probably the number one topic among people that talk about the end times is the mark. Of the, and here's the other thing is we, 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 you know, we ever since I was a kid, the beast himself has changed like 50 times. Like every time. Come on. Every time there's an election, there's a new beast. I don't know. But that's just me. So. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I thought, well, certainly he's in America, but, you know, he could be anywhere. So, and, and I've heard it all along. But, but truly, this is fact. How many know? I'm not disrespecting that or making fun of that. How many know the Bible says there is a mark of the beast, there is a beast, and that's real. That's true. Amen. But I want to bring your attention to something else. And I'm talking about living out the word. It's, it's very important. Now let's just cover what we've already said. Of course, in Revelation 14, you have the mark of the beast, you have the name of the beast, and you have the number of the name of the beast, which is, as the Bible says, 666. And so we heard about that, and, and there was even a Christian song about that, and, and uh, scared me half to death. But anyways, so the number of the name, the number of the name, and, and the Bible makes it clear in Revelation that the mark and the name, or the number of the name, are totally two different things. So the, the mark of the beast and the number of the name are two distinct things. I'm not going to get into that, but they're different. Now the Bible says that they would receive it on the right hand 
and on their forehead the mark of the beast and you wouldn't be able to buy or sell. Laws would be passed that would force people to, to comply with these rules and these laws. And, and so we, we see it, you know, being, uh, we, we talk about implants, we talk about this and the barcodes. And, and I've seen that, you know, you can turn a, 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 any kind of product around and there's the, the bars the way they are. It comes out to 666. And then we talk about who is the, the number of the name of the beast. And, and uh, you can take and you can put this person's name in, in, the, in the Latin and it comes out to a numer numerical order and that order is 666. And, and those things are, are true and those things are happening. And uh, you are buying and selling and you're, you're, now your credit card, all your information, you can unlock your house that way. You can do all kinds of stuff with this chip. So I'm not going to do it. But let me just say this. Do you think that the Lord is more concerned about where our hearts and our actions are than how our financial tra transactions happen? I think the Lord has a little bit better, deeper meaning, not better, but deeper meaning than this. So as I began to look at this and study, it wasn't just the mark of the beast. I think there's something more there. Because how many know that it's not just about your financial tra uh, uh, you know, transactions that the Lord's concerned about. He ultimately is concerned about your heart. And he's concerned about your actions. You're not going to stand before the Lord and you say, listen, you had a bank account of this way and this is how you did it. You had a credit card. Come on. Come on, right? So whether you had a credit card, chip, whatever you did, I mean, I think that's, it's important that we certainly see the lessons there. We're not going to receive the mark. We're not, going to, we're not going to receive the plagues of Babylon, as the Bible says, right? We're not going to do that. That's important. But there's something a little bit more here. And I want to just turn your attention to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, verse, uh, I'm sorry, 7, 2 and 3. Revelation 7, 2 and 3. And he says this, I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. That means Mark. In the New Testament, that word is the same as Mark. Uh, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given, um, who, who was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the, the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. How many know there's a mark of the Lord? There's a mark of God. There's a seal of God. Did you know that? Well, no, I always heard about the beast. Well, I always heard so much about the beast. I didn't even know that there was a, when I was younger, I didn't even know there was a mark of God. And until you read this and you realize that there's a, there's a seal. The Bible talks that, that mark is the same word for seal. They use that same definition, same meaning, as well as in the Old Testament. In Revelation 14.1, it says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood at the Mount Zion, and with him a 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. Written in their foreheads. Wow. So again, the word sealed in the New Testament comes from a Greek word that means to stamp with a private mark. So there's a stamp or a mark there. They're marked in their foreheads. They're marked with the seal of God. They're marked with uh, something from the Lord. It's a mark. And it says His name is in their forehead. And so where else do we see this? You can look at this and you can find this in Exodus chapter 13, verse 9. And it shall be for a sign unto you upon your hand and a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. Also, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6, and also in Deuteronomy 11, but in 6, verse 6, it says, And these words which I command this day shall be in your heart, and you will teach them diligently to your children, and talk about them when you sit down in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, when you wake up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon your hand, and upon the frontlets of your eyes. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 16 says, This is the covenant that I will make with them, or my people after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and in their minds 
will I write them. So we're seeing that God has a way of marking, and there's a mark of God on your forehead, but also in your hand. Now in the Old Testament it says, and you'll see it today, that people literally bind a little wooden box, and it has scripture in it. They bind it around, around their arm, is that right? And then they put it on their head. There's a little box that they put, and it has scripture in it. They put it on their forehead. Well, if the, the Lord says that you're supposed to tie it around your hand and you're supposed to put it on your forehead, how in the world do you put it in your heart? Is that right? So think about it. But let me go a little bit more. And so he said, for those who have my word wrapped around your hand and my word on your head or the frontlets of your eye, that's your forehead, right? And have it in your heart. He said, these are, the peop- these are my people and they're the people that obey my teachings. These are the people that we see in the Old Testament. We see them in the book of Revelation. We see they're people what, who have obeyed the word. These are people who have lived out the word. They haven't just put it on their hands or in their forehead. They've got it in their hearts. Can somebody say amen? And what it is is the right hand speaks of your works. Your actions are, are the word of God, are living out the word of God. The Bible teaches us all the time that don't just say that you believe in God. You've got to have works. Your actions have got to follow up with your confession of faith. Is that the Bible teaches? So your right hand to your works, your forehead. This is very interesting. Are your thoughts, your forehead. So the Bible talks about the name is on the forehead. The word is on the forehead. They put it on there. Why? Because that means that there's a frontal lobe right there. Right? There's a frontal lobe right there. What is that? That's your emotional control center. That's your thought process, your reasoning, your personality comes from this right here. This is where your thoughts come from, the ideas. And how many know the Lord doesn't want you just to know about Him, but He wants you to have the character of Him? See, hearing, you can hear the Word, but you've got to be a doer of the Word. It's different. You can put it on the outside, but God wants you to get in your thoughts. And those that have it in their thoughts are the ones that really know who their God are. They're not running around being scared. They're not running around following after all kinds of other doctrines. They've got His Word right here. How do you put the Word of God right here? Well, every day you've got to see the Word. Amen? Come on, that's what it means. You've got to know the Word. And then when you see it and you know it, you've got to think it. You've got to believe it. You've got to live it out. That's what the Bible teaches us. And it's in your heart. It's your love. It's your passion. It's your emotions. It's your worship. That's what he's talking about. I know there's a lot of people that bind the word in that little box on their arm and they bind it on their head, but they don't have it in their heart. Is that right? Amen. But how many know those that do the word of God got it in their heart? Jesus taught in Matthew 7 about people who say, Lord, Lord, have we not done this and this and this and this? And he said, I never knew you. Why? Because you didn't do what I told you to do. It wasn't in your hand. It wasn't in your mind. It wasn't in your heart. And because how many know if it's in your hand and your head and your heart, you're going to do it. The Bible says that we need not just to listen, but we've got to live it out. We've got to live out the word. And I don't know about you, but I think our nation needs to see Christians that don't just yak about it, but they live it out. Amen? They don't just talk about it. They live it out. It's seen. Is that right? The Bible says in James that faith without works is completely dead. It doesn't do anybody any good. It's worthless, useless to God. And so I believe that this has a lot to do with when we see the mark of God, has everything to do with those who are doing the Word of God, who are obeying the Word of God. They have marked with the Word. How many know when you do the Word of God, you're marked with the Word? 
Amen. And so when you read about the Word and you do it, it's not just enough to come to church and, and hear good sermons, but you've got to do the Word of God. This is the focus of Jesus. The Pharisees were not obeying God. They wanted people, they were making up their own traditions, their own, their own uh, rules, and they wanted everybody to follow their rules rather than the Word of God. He said, because you did not obey my word, you've allowed other... Come on, your tradition makes the word of God of none effect. You'd rather listen to your tradition than my word. And how many know it's all about obeying God's word? Amen. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's, it's more than just this acknowledging that there's a one true God. It, it is about His attributes, His character, living out in us, being a part of our thinking, being a part of our actions, being a part... That's why the forehead, our mind, is where we receive the Word of God. Amen. And so we, I just want to throw that out there. And so I believe that those who trust in Jesus possess the seal of God. The Bible says that Jesus promised that He would give us the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost would be the seal until the day of redemption. How many know you've been marked by the presence of God? You've been marked by the Spirit of God. That's how I know that I'm born again. I have got the Spirit of God. Come on. The Bible says that's my mark. That's my seal until the day of redemption. Aren't you glad you've been marked by God? Aren't you glad that you carry the mark? Some of you are so scared of the mark of the beast. Well, don't have to be worried anymore. You've got the mark of God. Amen. And the mark of God causes me to obey the Word. I mean, because that marks my life. It separates you from everybody else. It separates you not in a prideful way, not an arrogant way, not in a, a, an elevated way, but it separates you from everybody else. You obey the teachings of Jesus. When people, other people hate, you forgive. When other people take, you give. It separates you from, the, from everybody else, and that is obeying the word of the Lord. And we've got to live it out. Some Christians have just got right involved and snuggled right in bed with culture. And we've got to be separate. We've got to be different. We have to be, come on, the, they have to see the light of God in our lives. Amen. Nobody wants to see another version of themselves. They want to see Jesus. Amen. And the only way that we're going to be able to preach the gospel and have people see Jesus is if we live the word of God in our home, in our hearts, in our businesses. Come on, in our families. We've got to live it out. Amen? Well, I'm trying. No, you got to do more than try. You've got to live the Word of God out. Amen? And so I believe that. And so it's that guarantee of the Holy Spirit that we've been sealed until the day of redemption, the Bible says. And so it means about living the entire Word, living and doing His Word, being an active listener, not just listening to good sermons, not just hearing it, but really doing the Word of God, forgiving other people, loving other people, showing the love of Jesus. It's doing the Word of God. Someone said that God made you a human being, not a human doing. Well, if you're going to be a human being for Jesus, you're going to have some kind of human doings. Come on. Amen? And so I believe that. And so this is what it's about. And so those keys that I just, I guess, just give you for this year is to be strong in the Lord, revive the gospel, and I believe to live out the Word of God. This is a few things that we can do this year as we step into this new year as we step into really the unknown and what, what's going to happen, how long is this going to go on, what will happen politically, what will happen economically, what's going to happen, uh, all these things in our lives. I believe that we can put it to rest today and just say, Lord, I'm going to give this year to you. I want to be strong in your grace. I want to be strong in the things of the Lord this year. I want to be strong for my family. I want to be strong in the Lord for, for my church and for other things. I want to be a strong witness for you. 
And so I believe that as we go into this year, we can say to the Lord, Lord, I want to be strong for you. I want to revive your gospel in my life, and I want to live out the word of God. Amen. Can we stand today? So, you know, I begin to think about this and ask a question. is if we passionately love God enough to go through hard times. One of the things that Jesus taught us over and over again is to, to no matter what happens, no matter what's going on, is to love God with all our heart. And I think one of the things that we quote this scripture in Matthew 11, you know, the violent take it by force, there's a passion there. We usually quote that the passion sees the kingdom of God. I want to focus on that, that we need to be passionate about the kingdom of God. We need to be passionate about, about what God's doing, being intentional about the kingdom of God, advancing the kingdom of God in our lives, in our homes, in our families, and, and uh, in our communities, and seeing the, the kingdom of God, amen, being forcefully advanced in our city. Amen. I think that's important, isn't it? So do we passionately really love God enough to go through hard times? Do we love uh, really passionate enough, uh, love God enough and love others enough to, to love them through persecution? If people are, are violently opposed to the kingdom of God, I believe that we've got to love them passionately through their persecution. How many know there will be persecution? I think we've kind of got past the, the days and the times that you can kind of smile and be fake with people. You've got to be real with people. And when you're real with people about the love of Jesus, just like in the days of Jesus, initially they're not going to receive it. Initially they're going to reject it. But how many know we've got to be passionate about the kingdom of God enough to love people through the persecution? I love people through their dysfunction. Love people through enough through their, their racism or whatever you want to say. We've got to love people enough through that, through their sin. Amen. How many of you have ever found yourself when if you talk to somebody and they say, hey, can you pray for me? You know, and, and I'm, I'm sick. I mean, that's you can do that. And it seems like you can love people easier that way. But, you know, when people uh, talk to you and they talk to you about uh, their sin and their sinners and and they don't know the Lord. And, you know, how easy is it for you to pray for them? How easy is it for you to say, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. Sometimes it doesn't seem that easy, but I believe that God is doing something different in our hearts here in the church and here in our church, that God is causing our heart to turn to our community like never before. Amen. And I'm not just talking about throwing money at people and giving people bread. I'm talking about giving people the bread of life. Amen. Like never before. And I believe that the kingdom of God needs to forcefully advance in our city. I believe that righteousness, peace, and joy need to flood our streets. Amen. Do you believe God for big things? I hope you haven't been discouraged this year enough that you stop believing God for big things. Can we believe God for great things and big things? Can we believe God for leaders of our city and our nation, our country, and our state to come to Jesus, to come to the knowledge of the Lord? Amen. Can we do that? And I believe that, uh, you know, and I just ask myself, I, I don't think that this year is going to hinder me. I don't want this year to silence me. I don't want this year to distract me. Amen. I want to be intentional about loving God and loving other people. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray and just ask the Lord to bless. Amen. This year. Amen. Lord, we just, right now, we take a moment and we set aside this time of opportunity, Lord, just to pray. Lord, I'm praying for this year. I'm, I'm believing you, God, for breakthroughs. Last year when we stood here a year ago, we had no idea what would happen. We couldn't dream that we would be where we are today in so many ways, and so many levels. We, in every area, Lord, we just had no idea. And so, Lord, we look and look forward this year. We have no idea what's coming this year. 
We, we would like to say that we, this is going to happen. We, we have no idea. We, we've lived in, through this year of uncertainty and we've had to be fluid with changes and, and all kinds of things, Lord. And Lord, I pray that we would, our hearts would stay right before you and we would say, whatever you want to do this year, I want you to do it, God. Lord, whatever you're going to do this year, we want to see you do it. Whatever you want to bring this year, Lord, we want to see you do it, Lord. And we're going to, Lord, move with you this year. We're going to move on what you say. We're going to go with what you're doing, God, this year like never before. Lord, you've shaken us up a little bit. You've changed some things, spun them around. And, Lord, we look at things a different way right now. But, Lord, one thing that has never changed, and that is the kingdom of God. Lord, we want the kingdom of God to come and forcefully advance. And, Lord, break in on our community, break in on our family, break in just like it did when Jesus came and began to preach repentance. Lord, the kingdom of God broke in on that nation. And Lord, we want your, your gospel to break in on this nation. I'm believing you, Lord, for tremendous revival that we've never seen before, that nobody can take credit for it. Nobody can say we did it. Nobody can say this is what we did to get it. But Lord, you're going to break in on us like you did when Jesus came and began to preach repentance. Lord, we're thanking you for the tremendous miracles that are coming and the healings that are taking place and all the things that we're going to see with our eyes, Lord. And we thank you for it. Lord, we continue to lift up those that really in our hearts and our friends that we they don't know you, God. They just don't know you. Lord, I pray that you would use me, use me this year, today, or whenever, Lord, to be a light, to share the gospel, to begin to preach Jesus, to begin to reveal Jesus and show him, Lord, in my character and my actions, my integrity, Lord, my thoughts, Lord, in my words, in Jesus' name. Lord, we're expecting great things from a great God this year. Let our hope arise. Let our faith arise. Let joy arise. Hallelujah. And be, Lord, more, more uh, in, contagious than any virus. In Jesus' name. We just give you all the praise and all the glory. We thank you, Lord, for the, for, the, for the prayers of the saints. We've yet to see the results of all the prayers that have happened. But I thank you, Lord, that the prayers have been like seeds this year. And there will be a harvest of the prayers and intercessions and the groanings of the saints. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.